0: Welcome to episode 568, uh, it's a rerun, a best of episode from the first year of the podcast with Eddie Pepitone, who was a, a great guest, really funny comedian, and, uh, and great guy. Uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, I am taking December off, so we'll be running best of episodes. Our sponsor this week, as always, is BetterHelp.com, online counseling, and I want to read an email that I got from a listener who calls himself Phil from Thursdays. And uh, he writes, uh, Hi, Paul, I know you are in part promoting a paid advertisement, but I want to say thank you so much for promoting BetterHelp and actually using it so I could be confident that it was good. And then um, I'm just going to condense this. He he lost a bunch of people, just uh, a bunch of deaths in a row and was, was really struggling. And he writes, uh, I had not had any therapy for a couple of years and was in dire need as I'm at such a low ebb and I joined BetterHelp and I can't overstate how amazing it's been. Also, as a UK resident, the time you can schedule... Uh, works really great with the time difference. So I've had my sessions at like 7.30 and 9.30 at night, which is great and makes it feel a little more relaxing. As I've said a couple of times before, I'm so grateful for your show. Talking about my day-to-day life within the BetterHelp sessions has made me realize how healthy my coping mechanisms and mental health strategies are. And a big part of that is lessons learned from your show, along with really good therapy. Um, love it, love it. So if you're interested in checking out betterhelp.com, go to betterhelp.com slash mental and include the slash mental part so that they know you came from this podcast and then you can uh, get the ball rolling within 48 hours with a vetted and licensed, uh, therapist. They are available globally, licensed in all 50 States in America and, um, highly, highly recommend it. So uh, go to betterhelp.com slash mental and uh, you can get 10% off your first month of counseling. And uh, here is that episode from 2011 with Eddie Pepitone. Welcome to episode 29 with my guest, Eddie Pepitone. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, an hour of honesty about all the battles in our heads. From medically diagnosed conditions to everyday compulsive negative thinking, Feelings of dissatisfaction, disconnection, inadequacy, and that vague sinking feeling that the world is passing us by. You give us an hour, we'll give you a hot ladle of awkward and icky. Uh, This show is not meant to be a replacement for professional counseling. Uh, This is not a doctor's office. I'm a jackass that tells dick jokes. Think of it more as a waiting room that hopefully doesn't suck. Uh, Before we get to the interview with Eddie, uh, a couple of notes. The website for this podcast is mentalpod.com. That's also the uh, Twitter name you can follow me at. Uh, go to the website. There's a forum. You can uh, email me through there. You can take a survey. You can see how other people respond to the survey. And uh, it's a great way to get to, uh, to see that you are not alone and that we really are uh, connected and so much more alike than you, uh, you, you think we are. You can support the show non-financially by uh, going to iTunes and giving us a good rating. That uh, helps boost our ranking, and that brings more people to the show. Blah, blah, blah. All right. It has been an interesting week, emotionally and mentally. Um, I went to visit family, which is always uh, always kind of... Uh, Emotionally taxing for me, uh, especially being around my uh, my mom. I'll talk about that uh, later at the uh, at the end of the show after the uh, the Eddie Pepitone interview. Uh, the other thing that was uh, emotionally and and mentally taxing was while I was out of town, um, I uh, apparently had put up um, the episode with Teresa Strasser with an editing mistake in the introduction to her episode. Um, without going into too much detail I said something uh, I was talking about another person uh, who I interviewed that day who had thrown me for a loop and asked me to edit out stuff because it was too sexually explicit made me feel creepy made me feel bad about myself so I felt compelled to talk about it well in my cutting and editing and not always playing things back I had left a part out, so it sounded like I was talking about Teresa. Teresa did not ask me to edit anything out from from her interview. And anybody that knows her knows that that would be very unlike Teresa. And uh, the email started pouring in saying, why would Teresa ask you to edit anything out? She's so open and honest, and she talks about everything in her book. Yeah, well, um, I realized that when I went back and listened to it um, on the road. I've since fixed it. Um, the, The... Episode with the fixed intro is now up on on iTunes. Apologies to Teresa um, for that. She was very confused, uh, as were a lot of people. And um, her episode was such such an amazing uh, episode. Um, It's the only... uh, So far, it's been the only episode of this show where I've broken down and started crying while I was editing it together. It was just where she talked... uh, about that moment when she called her dad and she was getting ready to take her own life because she just couldn't handle the pain anymore. Um, uh, You know, her ability to be honest about that um, touched not only me, but it touched a lot of listeners. And I got this, this email the next day from a woman named Missy who writes, I just wanted to thank you for having Teresa Strasser on your show. Like her, I was at the end of my road, and listening to her talk about the fact that her father would never be okay with her not being here stopped me in my tracks. I have been preparing to end my life, and hearing her say that made me realize that my mom would never be okay with my plans. I sat down and cried like she did, and have decided not to take my life. I'm not sure what to do, but at least I will be alive for the rest of my journey out of misery, if there is one. If you could let Teresa know how she helped me, I would appreciate it. Well, I immediately let Teresa know. Um, I forwarded her the email and uh, she and I had a flurry of emails back and forth basically talking about how lucky we feel to have had our pain benefit other people. And if there's one message I am happy this, this podcast gets across, it's that keeping our pain locked up inside of us and never sharing it in a healthy way um, not only makes our lives more difficult, but we deprive other people of the knowledge that they're not alone. So thank you, Missy. And uh, I just feel really, really lucky to uh, have been chosen by the universe to uh, to do this show. Uh, you know, the, the decision to to commit suicide to me is the ultimate example of how time, the perception of time, can distort uh, reality and the truth. Because what what is suicide but uh, a reaction to the belief that things are never going to get better, and that we know how the universe is going to unfold and it's not going to be good. And uh, Eckhart Tolle, who you guys know uh, that listen to the show, know I love uh, his writing and his book, uh, A New Earth, really has changed my life. There's so many profound things, in it, and I'd just like to, uh, to read uh, a little bit about what he says about time. He says, time is the horizontal dimension of life, the surface uh, layer of reality. Then there is the vertical dimension of depth, accessible to you only through the portal of the present moment. Well, that's, that's easier said than done, but I can tell you this much on the, on the few days when I'm able to stay out of the past and the future and just be in the present moment, have my feet exactly, have my head exactly where my feet are and be focused on whatever it is right in front of me, um, that fear falls away and the feeling that I'm going to be okay comes through and, uh, that's where I want to be at and, uh. I hope that makes sense, and if it doesn't, go fuck yourself.
1: Everybody I know is bizarrely, beautifully fucked up in some weird way. I
0: couldn't stand you in the audition. I couldn't stand you. Yes, awful. I was drunk.
1: And I learned that
0: I could solve my problems. And said Through violence, since I couldn't communicate. Lonely? Yes. I'm afraid that my genitalia is ugly. That's hurtful. And what was your role in the robbery? I mean, you never knew what you were going home to. I had a jar that had teeth in it.
1: I was a wreck.
0: Other people's teeth? Yeah. I'm here with uh, my friend Eddie Pepitone. Uh I've uh, I always like to start off by saying how long I've so- known somebody, where I know them from. Uh, I've known you since we did a show at the UCB about called the Red State Raiders. It was a political satire right. uh, show with uh, Matt Besser. M- Matt Besser created it. Um, Matt Matt Walsh. Uh, Andy Daly, Ian right. Roberts directed it. It was an all-star cast Michael there. Bush. Um, who else was in it?
1: Um, you know, that's part of my mental illness is yeah. Uh, memory. Yeah. For me, I, I don't know what it is. I think I have basically emotional memory mm-hmm. because that was kind of an even-keeled experience. And I don't remember even keeled things. Do you know what I mean? Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know because I have friends who who are amazing at at, at uh, remembering. Uh, you know, this actor was in this. This was in this. And and another amazing block I have is I have no idea what years things happen. This has right. kind of freaked me out recently. A lot of my friends know the chronology of their lives. I. I have a really bad sense of that yeah you know and I don't know what that is I think it's feeling you know I have a lot of anxiousness and I think it doesn't allow me to um, remember things
0: yeah I don't know maybe it because you're so uh, this is my dime store theory but you're so uh, filled with anxiety during the moment that you don't fully absorb the moment because your your mind is always halfway somewhere else
1: yes is that possible? That is possible, too. And I'm going
0: to go ahead and write that up, see if I can not get some grant money to uh, continue that, and then write, that into, a, write that into a thesis. <laughs> Either that or— uh, Hey, who's
1: this Gilmartin guy with this theory, Al? <laughs> well, throw him a couple of grand, but no more. I mean, it's, it seems like it's been done. People
0: uh, would know you, I think, probably most recognizably as one of the uh, pledges in old school. Is that what where, where you get recognized mostly from?
1: Uh, not really.
0: No? What, what, what do no. people mostly recognize you, you know, from?
1: I, I think the, mo- the two most things I get are, uh, it's been changing because of the internet, uh, mm. but uh, our Sarah Silverman show, uh-huh. uh, where I was a regular, semi-regular, okay. and uh, Last Comic Standing, believe it or not, which oh, is, a, right. is a show I did not care for. Uh, but uh, I did it twice to to get some exposure, and uh, people remember me. The, I was on the first season of Last Comic Standing, and I can't believe I made such an impression. Impression. I wish I had better management. You,
0: you do. You do make an impression on uh, on people. You are a <laughs> you. Oh yeah, absolutely, and 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 a good one. You're you're um how would I how would I describe you um be gentle volatile here. in a loving way. <laughs> Uh, the most you're the most lovely volatile person that i know your your volatility is never it's usually self directed that that's one of one of the things that i the, that yeah. i like about you um there's many things that i like about you but uh there's uh, i don't know there's an honesty uh, to you when you know one of the reasons uh, when i ask people to come be best guests on the uh, the, the mm-hmm. podcast i as i'm always looking for somebody that that a has some type of anxiety or battle in their head. And you and I talk all the time about stuff like that. So I, you know, I knew that was a, that was a no brainer, but, but they have to be able to articulate it and be able to be kind of, uh, I don't know, brutally honest about things about themselves. That's what makes a great guest for me. And, And, and I've always known you as having those, those three things. Well, I've
1: cultivated that, because of stand-up like yeah. i i am that type of stand-up i'm, I'm not uh, a good one linery type of writer right my stand-up just comes out of my my angst
0: yeah it's it's uh very strikes me as very cathartic because it just comes it,
1: pouring yeah.
0: out of you uh so, you know how like
1: i know it's me. cathartic when i I've got it down to this. If I don't perform for three nights, I actually get depressed. Really? I, and, I've got, and I've gotten better because I used to have to perform almost every night. Yeah. And maybe three or four nights. Maybe I'm up to four nights where, where I don't have to perform. But um, it used to be uh, I take a couple of nights off. And I guess because I wasn't getting my craziness out. And getting some kind of validation too yeah, yeah. for it.
0: Yeah. Well let's uh mm. you're you're from uh where? New York? Uh,
1: I was born in Brooklyn um at the age of nine. My dad moved I us. You
0: were saying I was born at
1: the age <laughs> of nine. I was like I was kept in an incubation uh <laughs> Pod, until nine. I, my dad didn't want to release me. No. Uh, I, I was born in Brooklyn, and then at nine we moved to Staten Island, which was the country to my dad, another borough of uh, New York that yeah. was actually kind of rural, but it only lasted a couple of years. And then I was stuck in Staten Island, which is kind of a cultural wasteland. And then I moved out of Staten Island and lived all over New York City until mm-hmm. I, I I escaped and, and got to L.A. at the age of, uh, I think it was 41.
0: hmm and what was uh, what was your family like uh,
1: my mother unfortunately very sweet um, and gentle, but very depressed. My mom was clinically depressed um, I-, I believe she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and um, she actually went through some of the horrible stuff because it was back in I think the late 50s, early 60s, electroshock. She went through oh, very no. briefly. Yeah. Although and, I guess
0: that can do good sometimes.
1: Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was universally um, they still thought to do, they be still, barbaric. They uh, still
0: do uh, it today. I think it's uh, as, as, right? as a kind of a last resort. Um, but That's terrible.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know what I realized about mental illness? I was uh, just, just not to get away from my family, but I was at the supermarket here, Ralph's, the other day, and there was a big guy who was obviously had lost it a little bit. And people don't know what to do with people yeah. who were untethered. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? No one wants to grab them physically. There's all kind. You know, it, it's just a strange there was a thing. Guy, there
0: was a guy last night. Uh, I was hanging out with a, a group of people. And this guy wandered in. And it was a semi-public uh, place. And this guy wandered in and... This person sitting next to me said, oh, that guy's mentally ill. Uh, he lives in the neighborhood. And he sat down, and people just started, people who didn't know he was mentally ill, I could see them getting up and moving away from this guy. And apparently, he had just farted really loudly. And then he would just get up, and he would walk across the room to complete strangers and go to, and, and go to shake their hand. And oh. uh yeah, it he is started, amazing. start no, scaring
1: scared people. because yeah.
0: um, you don't know is this is this is this the sweet lovable uh, guy that wouldn't hurt a fly, or is this guy gonna go get a butcher knife? Yeah, you, you, you don't know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just to just thing.
0: to hedge my bets, I beat the shit out of
1: You, <laughs> <laughs> you took matters into your own hands. I had to. Well, you probably have a life coach who tells you to be proactive. No,
0: it's funny. Uh, some some people uh, actually escorted this guy out of the room because he he started. Where to, was it? He started to 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 freak people. I was just a gathering of uh, of friends, support group.
1: Okay, and uh, mm, mm. yeah, yeah, man. It's it, it's 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 strange how people uh, are so scared. Mm-hmm. Of uh, people who aren't abiding by the normal rules of behavior. Uh, so I grew up with that kind of stuff. Though my mom also was uh, was one of the first, not one of the first, but she was at the beginning of uh, you know all these uh, pharmaceuticals. Like at the beginning of um, some pharmaceuticals. Oh, is this
0: when they would throw Valium and stuff at depression?
1: Um, I think she had that, but she. Uh, had you know I wish I could remember what it, but 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 my mom was on oh lithium she yeah, yeah. and I, I, I They still use that they still use oh, yeah. lithium right yeah I think what's the word on lithium
0: um, I think lithium is is used mostly as a level leveler for people that are bipolar. And, and she was bi-
1: she yeah. was they they either called her bipolar or manic depressive. Is there a difference? I
0: think it's the same thing. <laughs> I like that right. I do
1: a podcast on mental illness, and I don't
0: <laughs> and I don't know any of uh, uh for sure any but, of any of the that stuff. But
1: I'll tell you, it was it was it was a rough it was it was rough because I'll never forget. You know, my mom was just um, uh, checked out a lot of the time because of the depression. And, and, and I'm still and now I'm in therapy and I'm dealing with how angry I am. That she
0: wasn't there. It was yes. just the body was there. and, and Yes. Yeah. I'm still
1: fucking furious over this.
0: Uh, furious at the universe or furious at her or furious at yourself? Uh,
1: oh well that that's that that it, it, it all intertwines I mean um, I, I, I am not furious I don't think I'm furious at her as much because she died um, uh, five or six years ago. Mm. And uh, it's hard to be furious. It's and that's another thing. It was really hard to be furious at my mom because the way it would go is I would get angry, and then she would be instead of you know having you know me having someone to fight with, she would you know check out of that as well and act very hurt. And so it was a real manipulative thing. Man. You think she
0: was consciously kind of manipulative? Well, it?
1: you know what, um, I, I, I it felt that way to you. Yeah, it, it felt real frustrating that yeah. here I am, someone probably with legitimate rage that this person wasn't there. My mother. Never mind this person. Yeah. It was my mother. Yeah. And uh, and then I would get angry and she would, you know, be like, leave me, Eddie, leave me. You know, and it just breaks my, all of it breaks yeah. my heart. You know what I mean? All of it just breaks it's my like, heart. And it's the reason I'm a comedian. Hmm. Because uh, the only way to deal with that is either to kill yourself or, uh, you know, have a very... Or get
0: get a tight 10 together and take it on the road. (laughs) Either way, there's killing is going to happen, right? You're either going to kill other people with your act.
1: No, I mean, I think it really does, it really uh, is about me wanting attention. I mean, I am like the classic. I've realized, I've realized this, I am the classic a uh, comedian in that sense is that I fucking am desperate for attention. was the thing you, you said something about a, t- a
0: tweet? Or did, Was it a joke that you have about... Uh, oh, I was it about my shrink?
1: Where I say, uh, one, one of my tweets was, uh, my shrink committed suicide today. Yes, I win. <laughs>
0: that wasn't it, but that's a great one. <laughs> it, it was... Uh, yeah, you were. You made some really honest joke about needing the validation of people retweeting you or something. Oh yeah, and I just. Oh yeah, I was just just another reason to love Eddie. That hey, that, sometimes just, that
1: honesty on stage freaks people out. People
0: don't want that exposed. But, but that's what's ma- what makes you you on stage, and you work mm. you work quite a bit. You're. Uh, you're, well, you're in demand, and I always see you on people's shows. I see you on TV constantly. shows here and there. Apparently, I didn't see you on the two things that you're Is most well-known right? for, Sarah yeah. Silverman and, and the other thing, but I Old I don't school, I don't
1: get that much because I really was kind of a background guy. Oh, okay. You know, in that, even though I... But you I, were in a lot of scenes. It? I was in a lot of scenes, and it was really uh, a, a cool experience. It's what, it's what brought me out to L.A., uh, you know, just being in that movie and and uh
0: way wait, wait back up yeah you came out here to do that movie? yeah no way
1: yeah because i just
0: assumed you'd been here for no not at while. all
1: i i i uh was hanging out of course with the ucb upright citizens brigade theater in new york and uh, one of the co-writers of old school is scott armstrong and he's mm-hmm. co-written stuff with todd phillips uh and uh he just said hey uh we have we would like you to be one of the guys in the fraternity would you be into that and I'd be like, and I was like, would I?
0: Yeah. It's the whole reason you get into show businesses for that, somebody to ask you that kind of question. Hey, could yeah. I put you in a movie? Who says no to that? Yeah.
1: But he was like, you know, and people always do this. It's a small part. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I've never been able to go, well, you know what? Fuck you. Then, Right. I, I want to get to that point where I just go around, you know, really brandishing my mental illness. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Yeah. No, there's only seven scenes with me in it. <laughs> And I'm not prominent. <laughs> I've been reading the old Hollywood uh, uh, biographies of people, and they it's just insane what goes on. Yeah. Egos. Yeah. I,
0: I had somebody call me one time that uh, was doing a movie, and it was kind of a self finance thing. And they called me, and uh, they said, hey, and I knew that they were doing this movie. And my original uh, co host on dinner in a movie was Annabelle, was, yeah, was in this her. movie. And so I was like, oh, they're going to ask me to be in the movie. And they thought it would be cool, just for the inside joke, that I'm a background extra in this thing. and it an just hurt my inside joke? And it just hurt my feelings so badly because I was like, I'm sorry, I just can't. I didn't say this to them. I said, I, you know, I, I can't make it. But the thought of sitting in the background as an extra at a restaurant while my co-host was yeah. one of the stars of this thing, just... Uh, how that, are you
1: now with uh ego?
0: I, I it's I it I, still, I know that's I still, a general I, question I, but I still struggle with it because even when things are going good mm-hmm. like this 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 podcast is a is an example of something that is creatively really good and and in my opinion mm-hmm. kind of pure and comes from a good place and 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 feels like it's the right place for me to be my ego is constantly trying to get it's little Barnacles on it and worry about the popularity of it and this and that Well, we live
1: in such an age of where it can be monitored so quick like with the counting. Yeah, the counting Yeah, how many followers do you have? How many downloads do you have? Yeah,
0: and in so many ways? That's the enemy of of creativity, but yeah, but it's also what drives us So maybe we wouldn't do it if we didn't know that there would be counting involved.
1: I I don't know about that. I I mean, would, you would never
0: do comedy if if nobody, you know, showed up at a at a comedy club. But I guess that's right. different than counting because right. you need, we need their laughter.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But would yeah. you
0: can would you consistently show up to a comedy club where you're guaranteed there was only going to be two people? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're still think no, you're still giving people something, right?
1: Yeah, big time. No, I mean we need people to fucking hear what we do man yeah you know big time
0: but i want to go back to when you were when you were growing up and you had this depressed Mm -hmm. mom um Mm -hmm. what how would that that kind of what was a typical day like Would she just lay in bed all day and
1: you would that was the saddest thing um yeah um by the way and then the dynamic and just to round out the dynamic my dad my mom jewish Mm -hmm. russian german jew and my dad sicilian so you know, the Italian... you got the guilt
0: coming from both angles.
1: Big time. Was
0: he was he Catholic?
1: Uh, they weren't overtly religious in any way, but his parents were, you it's know... It
0: seeped into your pores. It doesn't matter. even Exactly. If, even, even if you don't go, exactly. it's, just, it's just... It's in your code.
1: Exactly. You know, if you're Catholic, the Pope has harmed you in some way. <laughs> Vatican City's a country, you know. I just found yeah. that out. <laughs> yeah. But um, my so anyway, juxtapose you know because my mom was checked out in bipolar, it was very, very um, frustrating for my dad, who then, and this this was rough. He put all his emotional eggs in me. I had I have, oh, I have really? one sister, older, younger. She is younger. Um, she is uh, a lawyer and doesn't talk to me. And that's another collateral that that happened you got all about int-
0: attention. No,
1: no, 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 no. Um, we just had a major falling out around my mom's death. Um, I, yeah, and uh, it was fucking intense. Like uh, just to fight the family dynamic because my mom. Here's how you know what happened. My mom checked out, and so my dad puts all his emotional legs in a basket, and he was like, just so too involved with me you know like you know like uh my grades and you know for company and and that kind of thing and and what do you um, mean for company Uh, well he didn't like me leaving he didn't like me leaving to go out and hang out with my buddies when i was um uh you know 13 14 that kind of thing very kind of like hey, you know
0: wanted you in the prison with
1: him yes Man, I've had a lot of work. I love my dad. I, and I, and I talk to him a lot and I'm, and I'm going home, uh, uh, in, in a few days to, uh, to hang out with him. He's getting up there. He's like 77. By the way, I, 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 I that's, you know, my memory is so bad. I don't know when my mom died. I'm not sure how old my dad is. I don't know if I should be laughing at that, you know, I, yeah. and, and I've been told, you know, and I, I just, I just never fucking remember, but my dad, I think is 77. Uh, but, yeah, he was uh, hyper, hyper critical of me growing up. and he Your was, dad was. Yeah.
0: And then wanted you to be his buddy. Yes. So that had to feel really
1: awkward. Because A,
0: you didn't want to be in the house because your mom is there in a, in a bummed out mood. And yeah, did you not feel safe around your dad emotionally because he had a history of being hyper critical?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, and my dad also could be, uh, my dad also had, like, Sicilian operatic anger as well, you know? They're, my dad loved what opera. What was his key
0: range of his, uh, of his <laughs> anger? Could he, hit a, could he hit a high
1: C in uh, anger? I could give you an example. Where are my keys? It was always about his goddamn keys. Yeah. And glasses. Where are my glass? You know what's really fucked up, too? I, I don't know if you have this experience, but... I have this incredible dread come over me because I am now in in a monogamous relationship living with uh, uh, my girlfriend and I catch myself being just like my dad. Like in what way? I'll be like, honey, where's my glasses? Like, where, did you see my keys? I am looking for the same things that my dad did and and also my temper too, yeah. sometimes in my relationship. My temper is like I have flash anger. And mm-hmm. my dad did too. And and I'm always like, oh my God, am I really becoming have I become mm-hmm. my dad? You know. But yeah, when I was a kid, um I, I swear to God, I, I don't even um remember that much the real young ages except that it was scary it was scary because my mom wasn't there to protect me and my dad was a loose cannon i luckily survived my grandmother and my grandparents my dad's grandparents my italian grandparents were so lovely and they 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 took care of me in a lot of ways. You know, when I would go over there, I felt like my grandmother was like my maternal figure. Yeah. I, I, I was able, my dad, I always wondered why my dad was so fucked up because I loved his parents. Right. They seemed so fucked. And I don't know if it's that thing because it's once removed, you know, there's, there's that perfect, yeah. you know, removal. It's like you're not, you know, whereas the parents, you know, are too too critical when they're too close, blah blah blah. blah. But so Doesn't it was make, scary. It was scary growing up in that. You isn't
0: it funny how sometimes the, the I, I should just say that I, there's been so many guests on the on the podcast who were abandoned by both parents, and both. the thing that wound up saving them was some other relative. or a sibling but a lot of times it was a grand a grandparent you
1: know the way families are now i mean uh i'm not a great student of history but it used to be extended families would raise children Mm -hmm. extended family and i understand the, the the wisdom in that because there's so much pressure now on people raising their kids without the help of you know family around them yeah it, it's, it's, I mean, I never, and by the way, because of the way I grew up, I have never had kids. I'm 52. I feel a little bad about that lately. Mm-hmm. Lately, I've been feeling a little bad yeah. about that. You remember the scene in Into the Wild? Well, how Hal Holbrook is talking to the kid. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? He's yeah. like, look, I got no one. I I want I want you to be my son. I, I feel like I'm going to be Hal Holbrook with some fucking waif, like some waif running through Los Angeles and I'll be at the end of my comedy thing and I'll just have him in, you know, my Mini Cooper going. Look. I, I never had anybody. <laughs> It'll probably be James Franco or some shit.
0: I so get that. Uh, I, I, I have it. Well, you know what? Maybe this, is a good, this would be a good place to uh, to do the fear off. Uh, I'd like to see the Kardashians the, do a fear the off. The listeners, uh, I would imagine the Kardashians, one of their fears is uh, not having constant attention. Yes. Is that a, is that a leap of logic to, uh, to get there? Uh. So the uh, people that are new to the show, uh, the fear off is my guest and I trade uh, fears until one of us runs out. And because I've listed probably over a hundred fears. I don't have them already, but I,
1: I'll, I'll, I listed some,
0: but I'll come you up can with improvise some, um, but these have to be things that, that we genuinely have anxiety about thoughts uh, uh, um, that we have anxiety about. And because I've done so many of my fears, uh, I go uh, and use some of the listeners fears that, that, that they've sent in, uh, Bastard. Yeah, because I've drained uh, some of my supply. But, I, but I've but i still got a bunch here. Um, so I'll kick it off. Uh, uh, I'm afraid that I'm annoying past female guests by asking them to help me find future female guests. And one might even wish she had never agreed to do the podcast because I'm so annoying and needy. <laughs> that is such a specific fear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the ocean. Yeah. For me. Is it? I am so scared i i've i've kind of a little bit gotten over it but just uh the immensity and the unknown yeah. in the ocean and i have a huge fear of drowning uh, yeah. in the ocean yeah uh currents i i recently i, I went to nantucket a few years ago and uh, was there a guy blowing himself because <laughs> is that I, in a limerick
0: a, there has, yes, there's been a rumor <laughs> flying around about this gentleman in his long penis that I have been trying to get to the bottom of.
1: So go ahead. You <laughs> There's an a lot of money okay. in Nantucket. You, you um, are in an Nantucket. No, and, and, uh, and it was a thing where I, I went out swimming and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I started to swim in and I couldn't oh, swim there. in. I've been there. The current wouldn't let me swim the Rip Riptide, in. yeah. It wouldn't let me, and I. What happens to me is I immediately get warm with fear, mm-hmm. prickly.
0: I think that's called urine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had already urinated yeah. like crazy. I. Yeah. That's why I go in the ocean. Yeah, you know. Uh no, but it, like just that intense.
0: Uh-huh. You feel the blood. I was shift. put on medi-
1: medication for panic attacks yeah. uh, many years ago, yeah. so that felt like uh, that was like whoa, panic like intense panic so feel like I'm I feel like I'm gonna die in yeah. the ocean is so how did you
0: how did you make your way in you just fought it
1: you know what yes um and here's and, and another classic thing is my friends were. I was screaming to them to help and they and thought, it's so hard cuz you're out of breath also and plus you know you think you're closer than you are mm-hmm. but they couldn't hear and they were just looking at me waving
0: and you're flailing, and they're like, Boy, Eddie really loves to wave, doesn't he?
1: And then I don't know what happened. There must have been a break in the riptide, and I was able to kind of get in. But I was like, when, when, And then once I hit land, mm-hmm. I am like, Jesus Christ, why did I panic that much? Because they tell you just to kind of go with it. You yeah. know?
0: If you go parallel to the beach, parallel, that's what they say. You'll yeah. get out of there,
1: because the riptides are usually at the most, maybe 10, 20 yards wide right and and there's the thing that i don't have the wherewithal to do stuff like that yeah. because once the panic hits me yeah. i am the idiot who fucks things up for everybody if i was in a group situation yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm the guy in the movies yeah. who is like no why is out al- no al don't do that you're not you're supposed to go parallel bullshit bullshit that'd be me
0: i i know that feeling though i uh I was about twenty something years old, and uh, my family we were vacationing in Mexico. And uh, it was just kind of this remote beach, and, and I think I might have even been by myself. But there was—I remember there was nobody kind of around, and I was about fifteen yards into the water, and the waves were—the waves were like head high. Ooh. And I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, and I'm not getting any closer. And so I'm putting everything I have into it. And I'm starting to freak out, and then you the are. waves are crashing on top of me, and I'm losing my breath and some, I'm getting
1: nervous just hearing the story
0: somehow, I made my way to the beach, and I would just remember collapsing, breathing as hard as I could, and just shaking violently, just violently shaking,
1: right, and then masturbating. You yeah. just described my my adolescence <laughs> shaking violently, <laughs> then masturbating <laughs> that was you know a large part of my life. I was kidding. Were you <laughs> not really? You no. Know? Oh man. Did I masturbate a lot? I think yeah. my fear, I don't know where, if yeah. you talk about, this Oh, I'm shit, sorry. But, we get
0: off on the fear off, but we'll get back to it after this thought. What, uh, what, what, no, was, was, I mean was just
1: the intensity of my fucking masturbation mm-hmm. as a troubled kid. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't masturbate till I, my cock was bleeding. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was a big, you know, uh, it was a bit. How many
0: times a day would you?
1: Um, was it multiple times a day? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: I think that's that's normal for oh, okay. teenage kids. I did I did it once or twice a day.
1: Some oh kid. yeah 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 yeah. Uh, and then here's another fear for me. Mm. Uh, where do you go? Uh,
0: I go. Okay. I go now.
1: Um, and we don't have to
0: comment. Uh, on each one as we do it, unless if you, you fee- unless you feel like it needs okay. elaboration, yeah, or, or you have a question about mine, or I have a question okay. about yours, because sometimes it makes it drag on too long. Got it. Um, I feel that I will never feel inspired uh, again, and everything will be an effort. Uh,
1: I feel like there every time I hear footsteps uh, near my apartment door, I think someone is going to uh, get into my house and beat me to death. Oh, that's a good one. I like that
0: one. Uh, I'm afraid that I will start looking at pornography again, especially things that make me feel creepy like Girls Gone Wild.
1: Yeah, Uh, I have a tremendous fear of uh, winding up in jail, being arrested for something that I really didn't commit, and just being in jail. I have a tremendous Mm -hmm. fear of just being incarcerated.
0: I have a fear that spammers will destroy my uh, website's forum uh, irreparably.
1: I have a fear. Every time the phone rings in my apartment, I think it's going to be bad news. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm afraid that I'm a much worse person than I think I am, and I won't find out until it's too late.
1: Yours correct me up, by the way. I, uh, I have a terrible fear. I have five cats. I have a terrible fear that... Uh, one of them is going to die uh, abruptly.
0: Wouldn't it be worse if they died a slow, painful death?
1: Yeah, but I mean, what I mean by that is that they're you young. You won't see it coming. Yeah, that they're young and they're, they're going to be taken from me.
0: I'm afraid that I'm underestimating how long my unemployment will last.
1: <laughs> I'm afraid of extreme heat. I get really scared mm-hmm. when we have a heat wave. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I mm. can. Yeah. But I feel like oh, Wait a minute. This isn't good. Yeah. This isn't like that's my Yeah. This isn't good.
0: <laughs> um I'm afraid that I've pushed a close fr- a close friend away by being a know-it-all.
1: I am afraid of getting a heart attack. Constantly afraid of that.
0: Not constantly. I'm afraid that whenever I think I'm being charming, I'm actually being annoying and exhausting.
1: I'm afraid, so afraid of aging and my body yeah. betraying me yeah. and uh, falling apart.
0: Uh, I'm afraid people will think that I think of myself as a guru.
1: I'm afraid of being beaten to death. I just think that can happen at yeah. any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right about that one. <laughs>
0: I'm the guy that just shovels coal into other people's fears. Uh, I'm afraid I will let the nice things people say about uh, the podcast inflate my ego and come to think of myself as uh, being bigger or better or more important than than I am.
1: I'm afraid that I will not have the energy to exercise and take care of myself in general i'm afraid Mm -hmm. that i will that i don't have the energy to live a good life and i think that's related to growing up with depression
0: Mm -hmm. yeah feeling lethargic and unmotivated
1: yeah i have a great fear of doing what i have to do every day i just Mm -hmm. have a fear of
0: it fear of responsibility
1: i have a fear of responsibility
0: Yeah. yeah i do too that's a, that's a great one. That can be paralyzing. And I think that's connected to, and we've talked about this on the podcast, I think that's connected to perfectionism. That the fear that if we can't do it perfectly, we shouldn't be doing it. And, and I think that really is...
1: Perfectionism a, is such a crippler.
0: It's insidious.
1: It's, and what I am learning is to just put uh, one foot literally... On the treadmill, because now I've been going to the gym, Mm. and you know I I feel this anxiety on the way to the gym, or thinking about the gym, like, oh, I've got to go to the gym today, and it seems like such a burden, and I can equate that also with writing. I have such tremendous anxiety with writing. Mm -hmm. Like, I love to improvise on stage, and that's where most of my comedy comes from, but to sit down and to build something, whether it's a story, a joke, or a table, mm-hmm. is crippling to me. Yeah. But I've, lear- I've been learning literally to just put one foot in front of the other, you know, realize that it's, you know, I do what I can do. Mm-hmm. And it's usually okay. Yeah.
0: And sometimes the, the mistakes or what we think of as mistakes in, in the building or the doing of that is where we learn how to do something better. Exactly. You know, one of my hobbies is making furniture. And sometimes I'll design a piece of furniture and I'll be halfway into making it and I'll have the afternoon off and I'll be excited at one moment to go in there and build it. Then I'll get this panic that I'm going to ruin it or I'm going to make the wrong decision about the length or shape of something and I'll have to take a nap and I won't even go in there. uh, And I'll just... (laughs) Now, I was pointing out to Eddie before before we sat down to tape this. About three quarters of the furniture in in our li- living room here are is furniture that I designed and built. And Eddie pointed to a frame uh, a- across the 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 room of uh, the Blackhawks having won the the Stanley Cup. And it took me a year because my depression has been bad. It took me a year just to hang that picture it sat there and i would say i gotta hang that picture. you and know I that is an
1: amazing thing just to hang a fucking picture took a year and i totally relate to that like right now this is similar is that i'm supposed to fax and i have a fax machine in my place fax two mm-hmm. things in for insurance purposes yeah it's <sighs> been three I weeks so get that
0: i so it's get been that.
1: three weeks and And I am crippled by the fact that I don't know where these papers are. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Do I relate to that? Oh, my God. Do I relate to that?
1: And instead of looking for these papers, they're probably in a couple of spots. They might be in a couple of spots. I am. This is what happens. I I go, oh, my God, they're not right next to my bed. Where the fuck could they? And then I've got, oh. God,
0: fear of the wasting of the time of looking for that. And then the worst yes. is on the way to looking for that, you're going to see that something else needs oh. to be done. And before you know it, four things have been added to your to-do list you, and you can't You know, even that get, is
1: a very oh. interesting that, that that you just pointed out that on the way to do something, you see something else has to be done. And that has really hit me lately. Every time I, every, I don't know what this is, but every time I go to do something in my apartment, I'm, I'm on, let's, here's, here's just a typical one. I'm going to feed the cats and on my way to feeding the cats, I'm like, Oh, oh, but first I I need some soy nuts. I need some protein right now. And like, I, it's like, and there's no soy nuts. Yeah. All, all this kind of shit. Like, like, um, I can never just. I have to consciously will myself. No, just, just feed the, the cats. Yeah, yeah, feed, and and that's just a metaphor for everything. Yeah. just write for an hour. Yeah, like the idea of me writing for an hour is just monumental. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go pay the electricity bill. There's no pens. <laughs> you know that's so now I've got to go get pens. Oh, there's no gas in the car, so now all of a sudden I'm at the gas station. All I wanted to do was pay the light bill, and I, now I still have to fill, fill up the You know what I think is behind and, and, yeah, the whole thing? Is right.
1: that we feel like we're wasting our life. Yes. That we're behind,
0: the, we're three steps behind the universe to begin with, and all it, this other stuff is just proving to us that we're so much further behind than we think we are.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. Like I, I think one, fear off, biggest fear, not enough time.
0: That's a good one.
1: There's not enough time uh, in my life.
0: I am afraid that uh, my dream to write a book will never come true.
1: Mm. I am afraid that I will never reach the level of recognition that I want.
0: Oh, uh, That's a great one. Uh, I am afraid that I will write a book and it will be awful and I will have wasted my time.
1: By the way, and th- and that's the thing that I understand, and, and you think you hit on it before, is that we have to make mistakes. I've heard from everyone that, you know, your first draft of a book is necessarily horrible or a screenplay. Right. That's another thing, because we're out here in LA, mm-hmm. and one of the things everybody does is write a screenplay. Yeah. But you have to be willing to write something that is far from perfect. Yeah and if you're a perfectionist you're you're screwed
0: and here's the other the, the other thing that i think is the, the second barrel of that shotgun that kills you the <laughs> one barrel is the perfectionism and the other barrel is grandiosity and the grandiosity the letdown of writing something that that is not good i mean the perfectionism is i, know, I right. think they're they're just by the way sides yeah the i same think coin. you, you
1: ne- totally Totally because that that hit home, that hits home for me because I have such grandiosity that when I have like a bad set mm. i that grandiosity gets punctured, and the flip side of grandiosity, what is the flip side it 's um, humility maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's the healthy side of grandiosity, yeah. but, but what happens is that I think, this is what I wanted to get to, is that I think I'm so great, but if I have a bad set that night or a mediocre set, I go from thinking I am the best ever to I am, am
0: the worst ever.
1: Or just a fraud right. that I am kidding myself. Right. That I am some great comedian. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. You are, you are fucking. If lucky, you're, you're, you're mediocre. You're, you're so deluded. Ha ha. You're yeah. so yeah. fucking yeah. deluded. And
0: I, to me, grandiosity is like even worse than perfectionism because it's like perfectionism mm-hmm. with impatience. You know, you could be a, like, if you were a patient perfectionist, that might be livable because you can work your way towards doing something perfectly. You can refine it and right. refine it, but grandiosity, right. you want it perfect at the first try. You expect it to be perfect right out of the gate and that's so draining, but grandiosity mm. in, in your fantasy, grandiosity is so comforting because it tells us we're mm. special
1: See, that's the thing. That's, you know, mental illness. That is the root, I think, of my mental illness is that I never felt like I was special, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a nurtured way. Right. I never got that. And so now as an adult, I have this intense desire to be extra special. Yeah. And to be, I like basically what I am screaming. And this might be a funny thing to scream on stage in, in my physical form now at fifty-two. Just come on stage and be, I am special. That's hilarious. I am extra special. That's hilarious, Eddie. Yeah, I that's, think that could that's be great really funny and then folks maybe, and, and, and address them like what were you gonna yeah. say
0: and, and afterwards say folks i just thought it was it was a time my ego got a little stage time
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've actually wanted to do a one-man show of a uh a blue collar infant um which is just i am you know you know a couple of months old but i'm just like uh, hey mommy mommy <laughs> like i have a cigar <laughs> and i'm like mommy come on pay a little attention to me you know like and i don't know i haven't i haven't developed it yet in my head but
0: maybe uh maybe mommy's management and your labor <laughs> that's the that's oh the, without a doubt you know that's that's where the tension is uh i'm afraid that an unstable listener will kill me
1: oh i you know i have that too yeah like, like uh, uh, a fan or, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a fear that I am going to be killed for my political beliefs. Yes, I do too.
0: I do too. I, I fear that uh, there will be a civil war and then they will go through all the stuff that exists now on the internet, take stuff I've said, either in context I feel like or out of context, and I will be tortured in a prison.
1: Same here. And we're Um, probably not far away from that in this country.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm afraid that I will have to get a job that drains my soul.
1: Mm -hmm. Boy, do I have that one as well. Uh, I am deathly afraid that I am unattractive.
0: Uh, I think everybody fears that one. Oh, well. Um, Actually, some people probably don't. No. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to go to a, a tweeter. Uh, Danny mm-hmm. uh, tweets that I'm afraid my son will have migraines regularly now that he has had his first one.
1: Ooh, yeah. Afraid? You see, we're 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 so protective of uh, you know the things we love and the mm-hmm. people. Like we don't want anything bad to happen. I've been working on on uh, you know Buddhist Zen acceptance of things and uh there are such there are so many levels and layers of acceptance Mm -hmm. like you know just accept life you know and uh i was listening to ram das i that i love to listen to eckhart toll power of now and ram das and all these like big spiritual Mm -hmm. thinkers and ram das said Look, embrace him. And he talks like this, too. He's very soothing to listen to in the iPod when I'm power walking, not to brag, in the park. And you hear you hear Ram Dass just going, you know, you got to love it all. Not only the death of an infant, but the birth of an infant happens at the same time. The beautiful, playful dolphin and genocide. It's all part of one, you know, like just... That's deep. That's really deep. and And I...
0: I agree. But that's life. It is life. And you have to really if you're gonna totally, totally be in acceptance and really find any lasting sanity or peace, you have to be okay with all of that. That doesn't mean you approve of it. It means That's
1: the trick. Yes. To not the Buddhists say I think they have three things. They say do not judge and that's do not resist. Do not resist anything, mm-hmm. do not judge, and I always forget the third one. Yeah. I think it's do not, Do not regularly. forget anything. That's
0: the third one. <laughs> now, I wonder, would yeah. a Buddhist say, well, that, does that mean you shouldn't resist Hitler? Would they say you, you shouldn't resist Hitler, or do they mean you shouldn't resist anything you don't have control over?
1: Yes. Don't. Re- no, it's like... Accept the fact that Hitler exists and that I think this is and what and it, what and it do is. do what
0: work you can and that, yes, to stop
1: him. Yes, exactly. But if
0: he puts you in a concentration camp and you can't escape, accept the fact that you are in that concentration camp and make the best of it and see how you can be. Yeah. And by the man. way,
1: and by the way, this line of thinking that you're doing right now is what keeps me from accepting anything. I'm serious because I'm meditating. You want to fear off again? I am afraid that I am meditating wrong and that I am wasting my time. Um, And that line of thought about do I accept evil? Like it keeps me from accepting anything because if I accept everything, then I'm accepting, you know, vicious, evil people and vicious, evil acts and atrocities. And I don't want to accept that. No, I don't think. I think
0: you accept the evil that you can't control. And right, right. I think that is a sane thing to do. An insane thing to do is to think that you can change something that you have no control over. I think, you, mm-hmm. I think to keep your sanity, you also have to work towards stopping evil. Put your effort into making the world a better place, but then let go of the results Right of what happens,
1: I I think the Buddhists always say too is that uh, peace in the world starts with you. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very aware of my anger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like in in LA, especially driving. Like I can be such an angry guy in the car and do unkind things, like beep, yell out the window, like Mm -hmm. like I contribute to the aggressiveness and the crap that is out there. And so what they say is, no, 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 fix that. Yeah. When you fix that, then you will be helping the world.
0: Right, like people that, that go to, you know, the stereotypical actor that goes to India to become more <laughs> spiritual. I, it makes me laugh because mm-hmm. to me, you know that if you want to call it a journey or whatever to be more spiritual that starts with letting the person in front of you in traffic on the way to the airport to go to india you know there's (laughs) a a hundred things that you could do before you even get to the airport to go to india to do that that could last a lifetime well
1: i think that's that comes under the heading of you can do it right now like Mm. everybody like we people are like no no i'll get enlightened when Right. I'll get enlightened when I'm in India. Yeah. I'll get enlightened when I finally get the gig that will give me enough money to relax to get enlightened.
0: Yeah, that, it's insanity <laughs> to think that something externally is going to bring there you enlightenment. I I think enlightenment has to come from an inner acceptance of what is and a commitment to
1: principles. Yeah, but you know what's hard about that is to do that you have to stop lying to yourself that's yes. what i've realized yes. like i have to stop lying to myself about the fact that i have more money than i have for instance right i have to ex- i have to have the courage it takes a lot of courage to yes. accept what is yes. like i have to have the courage to accept that Oh, i don't have a lot of money yeah. just accept that on that level but if you can accept that you're okay with the amount of money that you have right
0: it's easier to accept but if buried deep in your head is this belief that i will not be okay if i don't have x amount of money then Mm -hmm. it makes it impossible to accept that you will be okay with whatever so if you can get Mm -hmm. to a place where you can accept your worst fears picture your worst fears and accept them coming true and know that you can find a place in there to to find peace and joy
1: yeah yeah well what i've realized i I, is that my what i have realized is that my fears are all in my imagination you know that old mark twain quote which is there have been bad things in my life and some have actually happened and yes and 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 what 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 he means by that is that they're in our fucking head yeah like if i can just be here i mean like right now me and you are on these you know couches and you know we're surrounded by imperfect furniture yeah and uh that you made and we're we're fine yeah you know what i mean
0: yeah the the uh my one of my previous guests uh, paula newman the woman the woman that taught me uh, meditation she has a great quote quote that um if life is 100 percent, one percent of it is the event and 99 percent of it is us obsessing about how that event r- relates to us and yeah. that just how distorted our perception of how things affect us are you when know, in reality. It's you know
1: what I realize is that I'm really afraid to let go of my ego. I'm really afraid to just you know let go of this this part of me that wants to be recognized and someone because then I'll feel like well, well hold it what what is what you know I just otherwise
0: know. what do I have to look forward to what do I have other to look than that dream to? or or I don't want to
1: be someone who's just you know just another person you know i want to be but what's the matter special what's the
0: matter And, and and i get it i totally understand that i've occasionally gotten to a place where i'm okay with being one of many and the idea that that i will maybe die not being special not being written about not being remembered by anybody other than close friends and and I've had moments where I'm completely at peace with that and it's such a beautiful place to be and then somehow I get out of it and I got get back into I don't have enough Twitter followers I'm a piece of shit Uh, my show was canceled I'm a joke I haven't planned for the future I'm fucked I'm not gonna have health insurance I'm gonna be in a rickety wheelchair begging for money and people are gonna go oh God, that's the guy that used to be on dinner and a movie. <laughs> and then I'm sitting in the living room, staring at the wall, unable to
1: hang the Blackhawk picture.
0: <laughs> I'm not kidding, Eddie.
1: No, I know you're not kidding, and I am laughing out of complete recognition, and I also just finished W. Field's biography, and Field's— I like and- that you dropped the C in his name, because you don't have time. W. C. Fields. Yeah. What you, did I say? W. Fields.
0: Did I? <laughs> you got. You're. You're behind. I just read. You're a 500, behind the eight ball. I you just read
1: a 500-page book on W. C. Fields, and uh, the the last couple of pages I read last night, he maybe w- that's why you're behind and doing all the
0: things. <laughs> you're reading 500-page biographies on w. I Fields. love
1: the. I love there's, the old Hollywood n- stars. And there's
0: nothing better than a good bi- biography. Last night, I was like, I'm gonna get some work done. All of a sudden, I see that there's a a documentary on Spencer Tracy who I don't even give a shit about. Next thing I know, I'm eating macaroons at 2 in the morning (laughs) watching a documentary on Spencer Tracy and loving it. Yeah. So go ahead. You're you're reading this thing about W.C.
1: Fields. Well, and he, you know, you just told me your fears. And Fields was uh, dying of cirrhosis in in Pasadena, in, in, in a home in Pasadena. Here's a brilliant, vibrant... You know, genius comedian. Mm. And he was visited that day by another brilliant guy, a guy named Tully, who was a great vaudevillian, whatever and it was related by the woman who used to take care of fields and there were two women in there who were younger and they were they both knew these guys life stories mm-hmm. and fields and Tully were incapacitated in wheelchairs and they couldn't speak but the women were were like telling the anecdotes for them and they would just kind of nod and i was just thinking of how life goes that you know we all will die you know now now fields wound up in that state because he he drank too much he, yeah he just didn't take care of himself you know yeah. well, but he was incapacitated in a rickety, rickety wheelchair you yeah. know
0: uh let's use this as a se- segue i'm gonna i'm gonna uh-huh. uh, say that you uh you win that 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 fear off <laughs> really Okay. yeah because uh I like we like uh yeah you did a you did a a, a good okay a good job. Uh, I had a pretty, pretty long list of my fears, and uh, you outlasted me, and you, you made me go into the listener fear, so... Uh,
1: I knew my fears would come in handy yeah, one day.
0: they do. They do. Um, but I wanted to switch gears mm-hmm. and talk about uh, addiction, because we were just okay. talking about, about that, so I figured this would be a good time to, uh, to talk about that. Uh, you mm-hmm. used to... You, you've been uh, off drugs and alcohol now for how
1: long? Uh Well, I am now off of drugs and alcohol for 16 months. But mm. I was off them for seven years. And then I went back to smoking pot. I'm a, I, I love pot. Mm-hmm. And I went back uh, and I th- then... Then
0: what, what made you then stop
1: again? I would get panic attacks. Started getting panic, attack, panic attacks every time I smoked. But I think what was really going on was that I was like, if I keep smoking pot... Uh, the way I smoke it, I will never make anything out of my life. What I'm doing is I am not honoring my gift. I am not honoring the gift I have, you know, the God-given gift of being someone who can really, you know, take the pain of life and turn it into something to laugh at because that's the gift of a comedian is that, I mean, that that is why I think comedians are, Really, I mean, comedians to me, maybe comedians and music are the you know, most important things in life. You hear, oh, you have to have a sense of humor to get through life. And so m- what was going on with me was that I was smoking so much, I was not uh, letting my gift live. And I, and I was really panicked about that. Mm-hmm. So I quit. But I, have an, an, um, I am such an addictive person. Mm -hmm. I am such an. i I'm just laughing because I have 16 months clean. My latest addiction Mm -hmm. is frozen grapes. I put green and red grapes in the freezer, but I don't eat them like a normal person. I take them out and I fucking just one after the other because I'm a pleasure. You know, addiction to me, addiction to me is all about take me to a state of pleasure. That's all it is for me. It's like, take me to a state of pleasure, green grape. And, And at the very least, take me out of
0: this state that i'm in <laughs> yes i mean who wants to go to a you know a, a, of course take me to a better state ultimately a, a state of pleasure but sometimes you know for people like people who drinking stops work stops working for but they still continue to drink it's still better than the state that they're in in that tortured state of insanity
1: i'll never forget when i tried to quit pot when I was younger, I'll never forget. I had like, um, like I didn't smoke for a couple of days, and I'll never forget being on a corner in New York City, like in Midtown, going, being so depressed. I had stopped for two days smoking pot, and I was a big smoker. And I'll never forget the thought of, "Oh my God, is this what it feels like to not be smoking?" Yeah. Screw this. Yeah. I'm going back to smoking. So, for me, what's great right now is that I feel so good most of the time most of the time about being uh you know not high I just I think yeah I think it gives you a chance to be more human totally I'm really into that lately yeah even with the anxiety I'm feeling right like I'm feeling a lot of anxiety I've I've recently stopped Prozac I was on Prozac for about 15 years and uh I I always kind of like Prozac was great when I first went on it. I'll never forget when I first went on Prozac. I know I'm going all over the place. But when oh, I first good. when I first went on Prozac, I n- I'll never forget how energized I was and I was like, oh my God, this is the answer. This is what my brain was missing because for the first month I was, I started jogging, I started writing. I was, but then what happens, at least for me, was that then you level off and you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't, feel particularly any better than i than i was and then i get it into my head that wait a minute this prozac is you know keeping me from being all i can be like this is the kind of thought process you Mm -hmm. know but anyway uh i've had a tough time uh being off it uh i've been off it i think i talked to you about this Mm -hmm. i've been off it now for about three or four months and i've had I think I'm past the worst of it, but just this feeling. Sometimes it can take up to six
0: months until you feel what it's like to really be off it.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. that Yeah, good. I didn't know. Because I, I was feeling just, sometimes, just a horrible sense of doom that's how i would put it like mm-hmm. like just get up and just just f- literally feel this physical weight yeah but i've kind of gotten through that a lot and i'm and and what I, what i wanted to relate back to you know not you know getting high right now is that i'm just kind of digging being uh you know off of everything and being in my life and and feeling like this is this is good because you know i kind of live for being funny i kind of live for uh you know making people laugh and 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 i i just since i have no kids i kind of my my kids are my creations that i do like my my funny creations mm-hmm. that i do and i feel very um I love that piece that you did on YouTube about you, uh, uh, the the mountaineering
0: guy. But you're just, oh yeah. But yeah. you're just climbing Griffith Park and running you, run yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And you've got like that the one, oxygen tank, on. you know. And there's a yeah. great example uh, yeah. of feeling good about things because that one best short in the Burbank Film Festival, and we're mm-hmm. going, and me and Karen, who wrote it, my girlfriend Karen Simmons, we, we're uh, going tonight to get an award, you know. But um.
0: Uh where can people uh get a hold of you? Uh is it eddypepitone.com? Yes, eddypepitone.com. P-E-P-I-T-O-N-E.
1: Yeah, E D D I E P E P I T O N E dot com. Yeah. Um
0: What are some recurring negative thoughts that you have towards yourself?
1: Oh God. Um recurring negative thoughts. Uh I'm ugly. Hmm. Uh I am not uh, I, I'm not getting enough done. Uh, I, I'm a terrible planner. Um, oh, I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to, I'm going gonna mm-hmm. to that, that wind up homeless. I'm going to wind up homeless. I'm going to wind up penniless.
0: What are some, be, before we go, not some, a good person, some, some slices of your life, some snapshots or little vignettes that were, uh, especially painful or embarrassing or life changing
1: for, for some reason, I always remember, you know, we talked about my mom not being there for me. I was a little kid, and I hit her on the head. I was real little. Mm. I must have been like, I mean, and, I, and this memory has always stuck with me. I, I don't have many memories mm. from when I was a little, little kid. I think I might have been two or three, but I hit my mom on the head with a hammer. Really? Yeah, and I'll never forget the big, like, uh hubbub it created i remember my my dad my mom screaming he hit me he hit me um on the head with the hammer and my dad kind of you know holding me and going you know and and then bouncing me going all right all right it's all right it's all right because i was really freaked that i had did that mm-hmm. you know that was like whew, that was so uh, uh, emotionally uh charged and then
0: and then another See, I think you were telling your parents I want to be a carpenter. <laughs> they couldn't see that.
1: <laughs> Read the Bible, I was saying to them. Read the Bible. Jesus. What's a carpenter? <laughs> and then I'm trying I'm trying to think of other you know, it's usually just these traumatic fucking I'll never forget uh uh being caught sexually uh, exploring with my sister, like mm-hmm. my dad walking in, and my 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 younger. Well, to be s- fair, you were in your twenties. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what happened, and how old were you? Uh, I think I was like. Um, seven no well, i don't know i don't know something like yeah about seven yeah. and i was just a kid being totally curious. normal
0: totally normal I was
1: curious my sister we, we were taking baths together but then i don't know i was like oh yeah tell me what, what's that right there and my dad coming in and just being angry and i just was so shamed sh- the shame things yeah like that you I'm know, sure it was done. To My him, shrink so. right now says I, you know, the the panic attacks that I were diagnosed with are very similar to post traumatic stress syndrome. Like guys get it from war, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Let's see, I would say life is a uh, is a uh, beautiful bloodbath.
0: <laughs> is that why you call your show Eddie Pepitone's? Yeah, Blood well, bath?
1: I call it bloodbath because I really do think life is is an absolute bloodbath, a bloodbath of egos. It's a bloodbath of egos. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, you know, you know, it's so funny about meditation and serenity, you know. It's like I can meditate. And I do this joke on stage. I can meditate and I can feel Oh, that was good. You know, I feel I feel good. I feel better. And then, you know, I'll just I'll go outside and one interaction. With somebody who'll say, hey, you know, you're in the garage, you know, in the communal garage where we park our car. You know, you, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, but you park your car a little close to mine. I'm immediately like, really? Because (laughs) you've been doing that to me. That's how I see it. Yeah. Like, it's just a bloodbath of like, you know, everybody's got uh, an agenda, Uh you know.
0: But. So how do you interact with people? The question is. And. Again,
1: I think it comes down to. Deescalate. Instead of escalating. You know, you know, I, I think again it comes down to what we talked about before, which is change it in me. Yeah. Like if that person says that, like a healthy me mm-hmm. would have said, Oh, I, I I'm r re- I am apologize. I'll uh i really try to watch that. Yeah. You know? I always then fear that I'm getting taken advantage of. And I and I think that's the misconception
0: that makes our world a worse place is we feel like we're, we're, weak or we're being taken advantage of probably yes. about 90% too much of the time instead of giving other people leeway and saying, you know what, this person's just, uh, I, I hate to use the phrase because I don't know what other phrase to use it to use, but this mm-hmm. person's just another sick child of, of God. And, and I, there are definitely times when you need to make a stand and you need to, stick up for yourself or confront somebody. But I think those times are few and far between. And I think most of the time we need to let people be imperfect. Yeah. And the days when I'm able to do that and, and realize that they're not doing it at me yes. there, that's their coping mechanism because they're full of fear.
1: Right, right. They, they don't, don't even know af- me.
0: And when fear goes unchecked, it turns into anger. That's in my opinion. Yeah. And so what we feel is that person's anger a lot of times, and we think it's directed at us, but what they're, they're just letting their, their fear, their, the steam of their fear has built up into anger and they're just trying to let it, let it out. And so I try, I try to, to let that go more than I used to. And I'm able to have good days when I can do that and not feel like. I, I can't look like a punk here right it doesn't make you a punk right it doesn't make you a punk
1: right same here um i've had this thing lately also i don't know i think it's related boundaries like i really so that screws up my because i i have i've had trouble or i do have trouble with boundaries yeah like you know well you, it sounds
0: like your dad had no respect for your boundaries yeah he wanted you to be his buddy you know was hypercritical of you and
1: yeah yeah true I mean it,
0: it sounds like your your family life wasn't a place where boundaries were kind yeah,
1: of Yeah so it's been really hard for me to like know what's appropriate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like okay, you know, I have to you know, without without feeling like I'm 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 hurting someone. Right.
0: Did you ever get the feeling that that your dad was that there was an authority from him that was safe and and good? or was it always mm. like I'm kind of on my own um my dad's kind of needy sometimes I got to be the parent
1: to him yeah more the latter I I, I never really felt that safety yeah that's in, a, in, that's a
0: really common thing with comedians and people there, in general on this and, and myself included it was the fe- I remember being 6 or 7 and, and and thinking to myself I feel like I know people better than my parents do I feel like I understand the dynamics of Mm. people. And and I remember feeling almost... When you were six or seven. Yeah, almost feeling feeling sorry and parental towards my parents because I could see that they were fucked up in some level.
1: Yeah, me too. You know, hey,
0: that's why there's comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't wait to get on stage after this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, buddy, uh, thank you for coming and doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're one of my favorite people to perform with. And if you've never seen Eddie uh, Eddie Pepitone, go check out his website. I'm sure you get a bunch of clips there. Uh, watch some of the YouTube uh, My stuff. My last
1: fear I want to mention yeah. before we go off is that I wasn't good on the podcast today.
0: Yeah, that would be an irrational fear because <laughs> you, uh, you were great. And I, and I have that fear whenever I go on anybody else's podcast. <laughs>
1: I am always yes.
0: convinced this was the worst episode ever of their podcast and they're never going to have me on again. Every single time. Every single time. Yeah. So I get that. But you, uh, you would be wrong. My friend. Thanks. Uh, love you, Eddie. And thank you uh, thanks, thanks for coming and doing this. Thanks, man. All right. This episode is sponsored by When Breath Becomes Air. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi is the exquisitely observed memoir of an idealistic young neurosurgeon attempting to answer the question, what makes a life worth living as he deals with his own terminal cancer diagnosis? It's a stunning reminder to live while we are alive Um, You know, it's interesting that uh, this episode with Eddie was taped a couple of days before I went home, and all the stuff that he talked about is stuff that actually came up for me at home, you know, talking about you got to let stuff, let people be how they are, and occasionally, yeah, you need to make a stand and you need to set boundaries. And for 48 years of my life, um, I kind of let my mom... Treat me the way she treats me because I want her to be happy. And it came to a head this last couple of days. I was staying with her for four days, which I didn't want to do, but I thought this will make her happy. She doesn't get to see enough of me. Um, And I found myself one morning, I got up before she did, and I was walking past her, her bedroom, and the door was open, and I saw that she was in bed, and the thought occurred to me, it would be such a relief if she didn't wake up and that's a horrible horrible thing to think and to say but that's the fucking truth and i immediately felt guilty and then i thought what can i do so that i don't feel that way what action can i take what 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 is the honest loving thing for me to do to address this feeling and she and I were talking later that day, and you know, I hope she never listens to this podcast because there, are, I do love my mother, and there's many things about her that are great, but she has this sick part of her, and we all have sick parts of us. But the sick part of her um, tries to love me, but it comes across as condescending, and it puts me down, and it's a thousand different variations on "you don't know, I know." and it kills any joy uh, that I have going and it makes me shut down and it makes me want to leave. And later that day we were having a conversation and I could feel her trying to to get closer to me and it's interspersed with these these put downs of me, of telling me that I don't know. And I said, you know, mom, I know that you want to be closer to me. And this is really hard for me to say. Because there's nobody that a child should feel closer to than their mother or their wife. But I don't feel safe around you. And that hurts me to say, it makes me sad because I know you want a better relationship with me. But these things that I ask you not to do, you continue to do. And I have to set up a boundary to protect myself. And it made me sad uh, to have to do that but I've finally gotten to a point in my life where I am worth establishing that boundary. I feel I'm worth establishing that boundary and sticking to it. And so the ball is in her court. If she wants to begin to look at the way she treats her son and how it fills him with dread, it's up to her. I've done my part. I've, uh, you know, as we say, kept. I've swept up my part of the street and been honest. Um, And that's all I can do. But it makes me sad that the one person who I should feel the most comforted and the safest by is the person I feel the least safe around in my life. And I think there's probably a lot of other people out there listening um, that have parents like that. And know that they're probably not doing it out of malice, but that doesn't mean you should subject yourself to it if it's making you miserable. And if you don't know how to set that boundary, get some professional help. It, it's taken me 20 years of professional help and support groups to get to the point where I could do that. But I feel free now that I've done it. And a little part of me really fucking hopes my... A large part of me hopes my mom never hears this. But if she does, I'm going to own it because that's how I feel. And uh, if you feel like I do, hopefully you know now that you're not a bad person for thinking that or feeling that and you're not alone.